Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And the, the play by T.J. Watt to start the second half. The Rams get points at the end of the first half. They're poised to come out and kind of blow this game open. And T.J. Watt and the Steelers defense were outstanding second half. The offense, typical fourth quarter. Kenny Pickett gets hot. And here we go. Here we go. Find a way. That's what the Steelers did for the fourth time this season. It's never pretty, but it gets the job done. I'm Austin Bechtel with you. It's the Fan Early Morning Show. It was a game to remember. Out in Los Angeles, California. I was there. It was thrilling. First time I've ever been out there for a Steeler road game. And you could just tell the overall excitement. Just walking around L.A., all the Steeler fans... The tailgate lots were insane. There was a huge section where it was, yeah, all Rams people and a lot of Rams fans, but walking around and talking to people, a lot of people who tailgate for the Rams games don't go into the game that are Rams fans. And it was pretty evident by the amount of Steeler fans there At some point, it looked like 75% Steeler fans. It was probably roughly 60-65%. Seemed like the Steelers had the edge, though. And it was truly remarkable to see in the section that I was in, surrounded, absolutely surrounded by Steeler fans. Terrible tiles everywhere, whether it was the lower bowl, the second deck, and looking up into the, the upper decks, so many terrible tiles. And it makes you, it makes you think. It made me think how spoiled we are. (laughs) How spoiled we are to be in Pittsburgh, to live in Pittsburgh, when so many people are Steeler fans that are not from Pittsburgh. I met some people from California, from Los Angeles, outside of the area. They're Steeler fans. Why? Well, they didn't have a team for so long. They needed to pick a team. They needed to pick a side. And not even a side. When there were 30, 32 NFL teams, they needed to pick one to root for. And so many in California picked the Steelers. And it buys into the whole notion, the whole idea, the whole fact of the matter, of Steeler Nation and what makes it great. And Kenny Pickett even mentioned one asked by Pam Oliver of Fox Sports, did you expect this type of crowd? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I did. No surprise that the type of fan support was there 
for the Steelers. And I think that that partially going on the road is what empowers this team to do some of the things that it can do, especially late in games. Look, the Rams and Chargers combined this year have a record, I think it was the NFL Network that said, I think it was ESPN, Scott Van Pelt said it. They combined for an under 500 record at home. They don't have a home field advantage in LA. They don't. And the Rams do this thing. It's one of their in-house PA system things that they do. I'm sure you heard it all over the watching the game or over the radio or watch it on TV, whatever, where they say, whose house? Rams house. And I said, huh. Uh, you know, I've heard this so many times on TV. It's really loud. It players through the speakers. That was the Steelers house on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. Walking around the tailgate lots, there were vendors selling Steelers gear. Some more so than Rams gear. There was more Steelers gear other than the, like, the official Rams shop sellers and whatnot. If you were just a random vendor or just a random guy just wanting to walk around the streets of Inglewood and try to sell something, yet yeah, a lot of it was all Steelers stuff, which I found just fascinating. And not to mention the stadium. First time I've ever made a Steeler road trip. I would recommend to anyone. You want to go to a road game? Yeah, check out SoFi. That place doesn't look real. It's unbelievable. It, it really is. And that's a word that's overused. And that, I mean, does it properly describe very thing that very many things saying, oh, it's unbelievable because, yeah, so many things are believable. This thing was straight out of a movie. It looks like a spaceship. You walk inside, it feels like a spaceship. You can't really walk around like you can at Heinz Field, Acrisure Stadium, where you can walk all around the concourse level. They have a ton of suites. You can't really move freely. You can't do a lap, which is what I wanted to try to do. They have a lake right outside the SoFi Stadium sign. It's just like... It's like a dream walking around that place. And it was a nightmare for the LA Rams. So the Steelers so far this year, four and two, six games. They've been outgained by 660 yards this season. Total. I mean, there's not that much way to put it. This team is a roller coaster of emotions, and they're 24 and 17 winners against the Rams, 2-1 on the road, 4-2 overall. Does this team give you a little bit of reminder of the 11-0 team from 2020? I mean, maybe a little bit. But where they just found ways to win in the end, you knew they weren't as good as 11-0. Everybody knew that. Everybody was saying for weeks, this is a team that... You know, they need to lose just for the general consensus of they need to they need to know they're not as good as what their record indicates. Are the Steelers as good as four and two? I think situationally in the fourth quarter they might be. Kenny Pickett from the first three quarters to the fourth quarter 
it it just doesn't make any any sense. And Mike Tomlin even said at his weekly presser last week, you know what, Mike, have you worked on it with Kenny Pickett? Have you tried to get him to figure it out? What it is about the first three quarters that the light just flips on in the fourth. It's not even close, the difference when you get to the fourth quarter for Kenny Pickett. Compared to the other quarters, I mean, in the final 20 minutes, Matthew Stafford was 0 for 6, did not complete a pass. Kenny Pickett was 9 for 9 for 140 yards. How do you explain that? He's thrown for 120 yards in the fourth quarter of the past two weeks. It just doesn't make logical sense. And Mike Tomlin said it. I ask that every day. I wonder every day what to do to get Kenny Pickett going on a more consistent basis. Now, if there is a quarter that you want to thrive in, it's the fourth. Unlike a lot of quarterbacks that kind of shrivel in big moments, Kenny Pickett has been up for the task. And some people have compared him. I saw it. Two people on Sunday said it, and then I saw a couple more people start to pick up with it on Twitter, X, whatever, that Kenny Pickett maybe, maybe is channeling his own Tim Tebow, where he rides the defense, he rides somewhat of a running game, weapons on the outside, and basically does nothing is a garbage quarterback in the first three quarters. And then once the fourth quarter rolls around, the defense keeps it close. Drive down the field. Impactful touchdown. Win the game. One thing that really should not go to the wayside here is that the offense won the game. You have to give Matt Canada some credit. That is hard to say. That is hard for... A lot of people to think that Matt Canada should get some credit. And you saw him up there cheering on the Steelers' offense when they scored. Like he was an actual human being, which we are too hard on people like Matt Canada, the coaching staff, because yes, they are they are people too. They breathe, eat, just like us. They're regular people, but just at a higher stature because of the jobs that they have at their disposal. But Matt Canada called a good game in the second half. At least, especially in the fourth quarter. It's a noticeable difference. There was a rhythm. A rhythm that hasn't been there. At all. Which is solid. Where the offense has been complacent. Lacking in identity. They ran the football well. The offensive line got pushed up front. Aaron Donald... Overall, he did nothing. Aaron Donald, multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards, considered one of the greatest defensive players in NFL history. Mike Tomlin knows how good he is. Everyone here knows how good he is from his pit days. Steelers shut him down. I mean, they really did. He made a couple plays. But Aaron Donald did not do anything to make you truly notice what he was doing. I mean, he was neutralized. It was a great thing for the Steelers, and I know that they, coming into it, 
probably circled Aaron Donald with a red pen, made sure that he was not impactful in the overall grand scheme of the game. Let others beat you. Overall in the game, Aaron Donald was barely even on the stat sheet. I don't even think he had a tackle. He had a couple. But it wasn't wasn't Aaron Donald-like. The guy who went off was Puka Nakua, and wow. Okay, that guy's pretty good. (laughs) From BYU, a fifth-round pick, a fifth-rounder. The Steelers, with all the success drafting wide receivers, why couldn't they find him? Puka Nakua was great. Eight catches, 154 yards. No touchdowns. He had what was potentially the catch of this year along the sideline where Mika Fitzpatrick pushed him out. And I thought that the hit was hard enough where his momentum was going to carry him completely out of bounds. But no. He made the grab. And I guess toe tap first. Watching live, did not think he grabbed it. Watching on the SoFi replay, did not think he had it. So I made the catch, but didn't know if he could drag the foot in. He was fantastic. But when Joey Porter Jr. guarded him, three targets, no catches, no yards, one pass breakup, a 39 passer rating. Joey Porter has allowed one reception in six games this season. One reception. Let's get to the secondary coming up next. Aaron Donald had four tackles, two quarterback kits. So he was a factor, a little bit, a slight factor, but he wasn't like grabbing sacks everywhere. He had two sacks total for the Rams. Four total tackles for loss compared to a Steelers defense that may be expected to see a little bit more on the defensive end. Larry Obanjobi, Nick Herbig with the two sacks, four tackles for loss, same number as the Rams. Mika Fitzpatrick had 11 tackles, again was solid. T.J. Watt had one tackle. So if you look at the box score, T.J. Watt, oh, one total tackle, no sacks, no tackles for loss. You're probably like, well, he must not have been too much of a factor. He swung the game. He changed the game like he is so prone to doing. Coming up next, we'll talk about Joey Porter Jr., the secondary. What needs to change? Coming up, because Jacksonville's coming to town. And what could be a Steeler Game of the Year candidate? Austin Bechtold, Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. Stafford had to spin away from Highsmith. Throws on the run towards the end zone. Caught. 2-2 Atwell. Touchdown. That play to end the first half was just so eye-popping to me. It didn't make it didn't make much sense at all. Watching it live, it was towards the end zone that I was at. I was sitting near. And from what I saw from my vantage point in the end zone, is that this was basically a jump ball. 
End of the half, Stafford's looking to take a shot. He sees Tutu Atwell down the field. He only had one catch. And Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson were both there. One-on-one with two guys down the field for the Rams. One was blanketed pretty well defensively. Peterson was there. But then it just, it didn't look right. It looked odd. From my vantage point, Atwell moved from the right side of the field to the left side of the field to the near side of the field and just came back to the ball where Levi Wallace never even saw it. It was like Wallace never even knew the ball was in the air. And Atwell was just standing there, kind of like he was receiving a punt and just a walk-in touchdown. And I was just like, huh. More confused than anything. This is a team that decided to move away from Akella Witherspoon, who was, eh, fine, okay, I guess. He also, uh... Got beat by this guy a lot. First in Los Angeles in 30 years. They've got that look down the bottom again. Pickett's looking there for Pickens. Back shoulder executed to perfection in front of their old teammate, Akella Witherspoon. Would Akella Witherspoon be good on this team? Would it have been a good idea to keep him? I think everybody knew his flaws. And he wasn't the greatest coverage corner. Now... I think we also saw Joey Porter Jr. get exposed a little bit in tack- tackling. Now look, Joey Porter Jr. coverage-wise is the Steelers' best corner. He's their best coverage corner. Now his, the, the tackling is an issue. It's a problem. He got run over by Puka Nakua. There was a play where I think it ended up being a 15-yard run, about a 12-yard run. It was over 10 yards. And Joey Porter... Crashed in on the play. Could have made it again a four or so. And he got run over. He got bounced off of on the tackle attempt. And that's one thing that Porter has to work on continuously. It needs to be a point of emphasis. And I think it will be. That's probably why Mike Tomlin has been so hesitant to put him out there. Let's say they they test Porter on a 20-yard pass. He can't make the tackle. And a 20-yard reception becomes a 45-yard, 50-yard reception. Touchdown. Difference in the game. I get that. His coverage is really good. I'm not comparing these two. I'm not saying Joey Porter Jr. is this guy. But I've heard so many times how poor Deion Sanders was at tackling. It was just a great coverage corner. Can't you teach tackling? Wrapping somebody up, being able to make the stop. That should be more teachable than in coverage where Joey Porter Jr. has thrived. The play he made on Puka Nakua where I thought maybe a hold, maybe he got Nakua. But overall, just blanketed coverage. So good. And when national analysts are saying that Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson are the worst cornerback tandem in the NFL right now? I mean, 
You got to play Joey Porter Jr. And I, w- I really wonder if Corey Trice would have been playing more right now. The seventh round pick who got hurt out for the season was lost in training camp. If he would be getting so much of maybe not a starting role, if Joey Porter Jr. can't even start, but why not play him a little bit? It would have been interesting to see if that indeed was the case. But it was John Ledyard who does a lot of different things throughout the NFL. Said that in week seven, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson combined to give up seven catches on nine targets, 161 yards and a touchdown. They earned PFF coverage grades. Levi Wallace of 38, Patrick Peterson 44. 23 yards per catch. 23 yards per catch. And remember, Matt Stafford in the final 20 minutes of the game did he complete a pass? Twenty-three yards per catch. And he says it's the worst quarterback tandem in the league. Change has to be coming. Joey Porter Jr. No catches allowed on three targets, one pass breakup. He played four more snaps than Levi Wallace. Finally, it's about time. Some of these young guys. It's so critical they step up. Kenny Pickett played a good game in the second half. What is one thing that's so critical? Uh, game manager, I think, is overused. And I think it's a derogatory term as well. If you call somebody a game manager, you think of Sam Howe or Trent Dilfer on the Baltimore Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. Nick Foles, I don't even think, was a game manager when he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Gardner Minshew, they let him sling it around. Is he a game manager? But yeah, Sam Howe's probably like your prototypical game manager. San Francisco was trying to use Brock Purdy originally. It's just a game manager. Backup quarterbacks, game managers. They're just the game manager to get everything rolling. Don't do too much. Hand out the football enough. Pickett is not a game manager when it comes to the fourth quarter. And I even tweeted it out, like, literally right before the fourth quarter began. Okay, Pickett, this is supposedly your time where you thrive. It's the fourth quarter, and then boom, 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 right down the field they score. But what I was getting to, game manager, he doesn't turn the ball over. Pickett has been very solid outside of that San Francisco game. Steelers were an abomination against Houston. Want that one back. But Kenny Pickett doesn't turn it over. He really doesn't. Compared to Matthew Stafford, first play of the second half, picked off by T.J. Watt, set up a Pickett one-yard rushing touchdown. Overall, though, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, they played well against Cooper Cup. Two catches on the on the game, and you can tell that that was a point of emphasis. But they let Puka Nakua beat him. And there were so many times when Peterson and Wallace were trailing the play. They're just getting beat. And on the two-point conversion, when Cooper Cup scored the two-point conversion, I probably went back and watched this play five or six times. He was lined up on the near side of the field by the numbers. Right by the side, I think right by the sideline. A little bit past the numbers. 
Levi Wallace was on him one-on-one. One-on-one covers, no safety help. And Cooper Cup just beat him off the snap. Just right off the line. Where Cup put his foot on the ground going right. He didn't even really motion to go right. Just went left. A little out route. Two-point good. Levi Wallace took an inside move towards the inside of the field trying to predict where Cooper Cup was going to go and just completely got beat badly on the play. They let Puka Nakua beat him almost. It was a solid game defensively up front from the Steelers. I thought Montrevis Adams played pretty well. Larry Obenjobi had a solid game. The linebackers had a solid game. The front seven had a good game. The secondary, though, still has some questions. Minka had double-digit tackles. A lot of that is just trying to fill in for some of the guys up up front that aren't really doing too well sometimes or helping out the secondary when Levi Wallace and Peterson are getting crushed. Something's got to change in the secondary, but you'd have to go out there and try to trade for somebody. That's the issue. And who are you going to try to get? Because the Steelers typically don't make too many trades at the trade deadline. When's the last impactful Steeler trade at the trade deadline? Family Morning Show. More coming up next. It's one of the best phrases in sports. Game 7. Last night, 11-4, the Texas Rangers took down the Houston Astros, their in-state rivals, and will go to the World Series beginning on Friday in Texas. The Astros made seven straight American League Championship Series. It's good to see them not in the World Series again. It's good to just see something fresh, something new. The Rangers absolutely torched Houston. Three runs in the first, one run in the third, four in the fourth, two in the sixth, one in the eighth. 11 runs, 15 total hits. Arizona forces, yes, game seven tonight in Philadelphia. 5-1 winners yesterday. The series is tied. Three games. A piece. It's going to be an exciting one. Eight o'clock. Tip, eight o'clock. First pitch. Brandon fought against Ranger Suarez. Game sevens are just fantastic. They're fun. And they're enjoyable. They're the best in sports. Game seven to determine who goes to the World Series tonight. Appreciate us next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t